Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll. This is episode 29 of our exalted retrospective into what is now not actually a retrospective. Now it's a what could have been in a game that uh, unfortunately did not finish. What could have been, what you were planning, things like that. Also, hi, it's Christina. And this is Brendan here to finally answer the question that's been on everyone's mind since Exalted First Edition. How the fuck do you kill a Death Lord? Yeah, that's... That's a, that's, a that's a question that we're going to have to actually answer twice, at least in the next episode or two. Yep, because we plan to have, have kind of this wrap-up of uh, this Exalted campaign span, about two episodes. We're planning to talk about the South and all, everything that's supposed to go down, on, go down there, um, kind of wrap that up. And then the next episode, we're hoping to talk more about our individual characters, like what their endgame was, their goals, and kind of wrap up the generalized story, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wrap up the generalized story. I have a lot more actually written down for how the South ends versus how that I have... I have, like, really vague stuff written down for how that the actual game is supposed to end. Um, but that's more because it was going to be very reliant on who survived the South because, as is going to become very apparent very soon, the South was going to be the... Uh, brutal? Th is the brutal part. Yeah, so it's very based on a lot of things, but I've been asking uh, our former players kind of what their end game was, and I know it's been a while, so I was like, be broad if you need to, just just something to kind of uh, give us something to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully we'll be able to have all that by next week, and this whole thing will end up being about 30 episodes, which I think is what yeah. we predicted. Yeah, that, that's about what we predicted. Yeah, uh, so one of the things that people probably noticed is that uh, the game became way less... Uh, streamlined once we got to the south because once we got to the south it like we we spent what like an episode on the north an episode on autothon an episode on getting to autothon and then an episode on no we spent two episodes on the whole coming back after the time skip and then Probably. the wayward sun stuff it, all, it honestly it all kind of blends together after a while for me because i actually lived it and then we talked about it kind of a hodgepodge in my head of time frames. The, the North did not... The, the reason I'm realizing that the North actually felt like it lasted a lot longer is because we, uh, when we were doing the North, or maybe it was Autothon that felt like it lasted a little longer. One of them, like, happened during the, uh, the winter break that we usually take. Oh. Because my games always end up being super close to, like, Christmas and then New Year's and then, like... Yeah, but we always take a break for holidays for people yeah. who need it because some people want to spend time with their families during the holidays. We, we only get five hours every two weeks to play this game. Yeah. Which, you know, explains why this game is a two and a half year long campaign. Because we got about five hours every... We got maybe, what, ten hours of gameplay every month? I'm going to start off here with a question for Christina. Okay. Okay, so we left off with you guys defeating Jester. Yeah. Taking the lap and uh, fixing the dragon line so then that... Uh, because the lap is uh, not a giant robot. It's not. It is actually a directional control module that uh, uh -huh. controls the dragon lines in the south. Yeah, I think I actually have that written down in my notes somewhere. Um, so by taking control of that, you guys would have been able to uh, reroute the dragon lines and that uh, life-giving essence could flow into Shadowlands, thus kind of taking the south from being this unconquerable Shadowland enemy into 
actually pushing back against the tide of undead and the underworld. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is knowing everything for like plots and stuff that was going on, I give you three choices. Okay. Would the group have gone to Ontang? So I'm trying to remember because we actually had this mapped out. Right. And I, so we actually sat and decided what our plan of attack was, but it's been so long I don't remember. So would you guys have gone to Ontang? Would you guys have given chase to uh, the uh, the Infernal that went further to the south, prelude, prelude to Domination? Or would you guys have taken on the rampaging behemoth Sunbane first? Um, I think... I'm trying to remember everything that was happening at the same time, because like I said, we did have an actual plan of attack. We were going to do the lap first so that that was completely taken care of. We had another means of control. And so that you guys had, besides Omtang, you guys had everything along the coast yeah, taken and, care and of. and we could redo the directional lines so that the Sword of Creation wasn't getting uh, extra, power. extra power and was hopefully not going to be as big of a problem. I think, I think our next plan of attack was to go after Ontang, but that's because I think we forgot about Sunbane being a thing. Okay, so... Because I remember Prelude to Domination, if I'm remembering correctly, was not something we saw as a, a we need to handle this right now. Right. You guys did not see that as a you need to handle this right now. Also, I think that you guys did not realize that that's who that was that got hinted at. Like, you guys knew that he had escaped Yushan, but you guys had no idea where he was after that. Yeah, I, like, it had been hinted at, as I mentioned last episode, that he was helping out in the South in some way. Yeah. So, between those three options, it either would have been Sunbane or Ontang. Okay. If we had been reminded that Sunbane was an issue, depending on where he You is. guys definitely would have been reminded of it, because, uh, like I mentioned last time, I did not have notes or any plan for the lap going in. Because I thought you guys were going to take on Sunbane because he was going to start rampaging. Yeah, so it might have been Sunbane first. Uh, it is either Sunbane or Ontang. I couldn't tell you definitively okay. one way or the other. So, with you guys going to fight Sunbane, basically you guys would have been going from the lap directly towards, like, I want to say, like a couple days uh, flight south of Chiroscuro where that Sunbane was rampaging and basically heading towards anything living. It basically, like, you would have had time to do either or, but because you guys went to the lap, it kind of turned it into, now it's literally this or this. So either you deal with whatever Prelude to Domination is doing, or you deal with the rampaging undead Pro behemoth. Probably the rampaging undead behemoth, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a, a better option because, like, granted, an infernal can cause a lot of damage with flooding and scheming, mm -hmm. but it might take some time to do that. Whereas you have a thing that's literally rampaging and causing destruction and killing people and is generally going to be a bigger problem because it's huge in general. Yes. So, by picking the Sunbane option, basically, you guys would have been flying, uh, going towards it, flying at it. The the Sunbane Behemoth is the size of uh, the Juggernaut now of, uh, of Thorns. It is big enough that it is actively a problem that cannot be handled by just regular, uh, by just regular, like, I throw my gifts at it. Like, you guys would have needed War Striders to handle it, or you guys would have had yeah, to so deal with it. He's 
huge. Yeah, he's the size of a fucking city now. Uh, you guys would have either needed uh, a bunch of war striders to deal Plus, with it. So, like I was saying, you guys would have needed either a bunch of war striders to deal with it, or uh, very large ships to deal with it. Um, which we had. Which like, you guys had. had. Revenge, which we probably could you guys had Ku's Vengeance, and you guys had... I don't know why you want to see Revenge, but it's always... It's no, it, it's, it's canonically Ku's Vengeance, because that's actually taken from... Joe's alchemical game. Oh no, I believe it. I just, for some reason, I want to always say the wrong one. Yeah. Um, and then you guys would have also needed, like I said, a bunch of war starters. You guys would have had that, but I had contingency plans in case you guys decided to go that route because it would have taken like days to get like all the war striders there from Sunshade or from Curigas to the point where it's like the only real option that you guys had was either, uh, commissioning Ku's vengeance to come help, which would have meant that uh, other things would have happened, like Kyrgyz might have had a little bit more trouble, or, like, yeah. literally, you would have had to pull from, like, yeah, somewhere to get it. It's always the problem of, like, it became, like, managing forces and making sure all fronts were covered and where was, I don't want to say acceptable losses, because, like, mm -hmm. loss in war is never acceptable, but it happens. Right. Um, and one of the other things is that the only real uh, flying flying stuff with weapons on it was the God King's Barge. Yeah. So what I did to counteract that is uh, Sunbane actually has a uh, an unlimited use uh, weapon that can only target vehicles. I'm sorry, say that one more time? An, unlimited, sure an right. unlimited use weapon that can only target vehicles. Basically meaning that, like, you guys had to make yourself a smaller target to deal with it, or you would have had to bring in a fucking fleet to deal with it. Man, I, I've commissioned the Lucky Pirates and shit to help out. They, they, they would have been able to help out, but they don't generally have uh, land vehicles. And you guys are in the middle of a fucking desert. <laughs> I don't know. It would have became, like resource and like command management and all that stuff. So the way that uh, basically that you guys try to go on there is uh, you guys would probably try to get on there You because I mean you know there's the journeys word and everything that can let you guys fly to get up there. Yeah. But I also had it in there that it's like the, the whole point of this is that you do have to scale it some way. And Sunbane essentially um, has like a bunch of like flailing tendrils coming out of it and like a necrotic AOE that ticks every round uh, that you need to make successful spirit or evasion saves versus depending on whether it's the tendrils or the necrotic AOE that you're getting hit with. So no matter what, it's a fucking trip to have to get up it. Yeah, um, great. On top of that then, so basically I think I had mentioned this last time, but the Sunbane fight was supposed to be more of a set piece. Like it's an entire setting that you have to um, that you have to get through. The, the set piece is some is an idea that I took wholesale from this game that I've been wanting to run called Fellowship. Uh, that basically has like, hey, how do you how do you run a boss monster in this? Well, the way that you do it is instead of giving them an HP pool, you give them like certain set things that you have to do to take them out. So like you have to. It, it's it's not a chip away at it. It's like a setup and do the thing to. 
Like wear wear it down. Yeah, it. like like its ankle to get it to drop to the ground, or its its tendons or whatever would have their own like HP pool, or like you have to do something to get it to drop to the ground, so then you can actually it was, it was climb like up it. It was kind of like the the kraken thing that you did with us for yes. kingdoms. Yes, yes, it's very similar to the kraken thing. Um, so basically, you guys would go up there, and when you guys got up to the top of the. Uh, Let's see, so scaling the behemoth will constitute some hardiness or evasion saves depending on how they describe their ascent. Just flying up will get some tendrils to lash out at them, so there is no escaping combat by keeping farther away. It reaches essentially the whole combat field. Um, that sucks. <laughs> once you guys were on uh, the back of the behemoth, you'll find the futility of attacking this thing directly as it takes very reduced damage from anything that isn't straight damage or, some, or something that affects flesh or necromancy, uh, you're going to need bigger guns to take it down, is basically the idea. Bring out the big guns! So, um, at this moment, there is a rattle of, uh, artillery going off inside of Sunbane. Basically, it was going to be like a couple rounds of you guys just trying to get the fuck up it, and then suddenly something was going to explode from inside of Sunbane. Um, as essence cannons shoot from this thing skyward. Gosh! Ooh, um, once that you guys approach the, uh, the hole, basically, to get inside of it, um, that's where that I was going to be like, okay, cool, and now it's time to split the fucking party. Which always goes so well if we don't do it right. Um... <laughs> As Ash and Bone coalesces into the forms of Void and Mercy and a portal to Malpheus being torn open as grief comes through. So basically, you guys were going to go up there and be like, oh, cool, a way into this thing. Which, by the way, this thing is also being controlled by uh, Nephrax. So, like, going inside is not a great idea <laughs> either. Nephrax, Nephrax. Um, so, like... And then Void, Grief, and Mercy all show up. Which is an awful group to have to and fight. And this is their, um... No, knowing, having built those characters minus Void, and I already knew what Void did anyways. It's not a, it's not going to be a fun that, thing to fight. That build, those builds are devastating. Because I built Grief to be like a, fuck you, I'm going to mm -hmm. take you out. Uh, kind of, I think, kind of how I built Storm, where it's just like, you are my bitch and I'm going to fight you, but right. if other people interfere, I got defenses for this. Right. Um, so basically one of the things that I have in here is, is that um, they all play for keeps here. Ooh, even Mercy? Uh, e even Mercy. Though Mer though, if uh, if the group had... Uh, since Mercy was one of the ones who is redeemable, um, if the group takes out Grief and Void before Mercy, which is going to be the tougher thing to do because Mercy has healing words. Yep. Um, if the group decides to do it like that, well, then... Because Mercy in the original game was our healer. Right. I had built Architect to have some sustaining stuff to, like, people are, or people are dead. Cool, I can keep you up after death. But Mercy was built to be, like, the healer because that's what uh, mm -hmm. Jess wanted to play. So when I rebuilt her, I was like, cool, I'm giving you healing and command stuff. So you are basically our support person. Right. So, um, basically the group now has to split up to, uh, go inside and stop Sunbane, but also has to stop the Abyssals and the, the One Infernal from following you guys. I'm sitting and thinking how that fight was at. I feel like God King 
both would have wanted to fight his daughter and not at the same time? Um, probably. Um, I think that also, like, Lioness and, uh, Sunny would have probably stayed on, uh, team, like, screw the abyssals, like, let's keep fighting them. Yeah. Um, and then probably Nyx and Raldo would have gone inside of the, inside of it, because Artificer and Luckward. Yep. And I probably would have been like, oh, grease my ditch. Yeah. But I feel like Void probably would have tried to interfere with that. Oh, <laughs> he would have. Especially since I'm snake style, so martial he, arts versus martial arts. He had a unique gift. Uh, that I made specifically for him that was attached to his gauntlet called Throw the Gauntlet, where that he can, he can, uh, through the power of, uh, of, of the underworld gods, basically go, we are in a duel, no one else can interfere. Oh, God. <laughs> so basically, the moment that he starts seeing martial arts get thrown around, he's going to target that person with that. Yeah, and, uh... Now, granted, that does also work against him because then Mercy and Grief can't interfere with his fight. Yeah. What happens if somebody interferes? Uh, they start taking huge amounts of damage. Gotcha. Like, they, like basically, if you interfere with him, he his gift auto-forces, like, him to make a free, a free full-round attack against someone at no effort cost. Gotcha, and I guess it would work the same way for if they had tried to help him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, because uh, Linus and I have martial arts, so he probably would have targeted one of he us. He would have targeted one of you guys. Whoever started using martial arts first, he, he would have gone after him. And then, like, you guys as players, obviously, like, obviously Grief and Mercy are not know what he's doing. So they're not going to interfere with his fight, even if it looks like he's dying. They're just like, we are not going to risk that. But the moment that one of you guys tried to interfere with it, which I know would have happened... You guys have, like, and this includes stuff like Sunny using Purity of Brilliant Law to oh. dispel stuff. Hmm. It would have been, like, it would have been catastrophic for the rest of the group because it's just like, hey, I'm attacking Storm and blah, 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 or I'm attacking Lioness and this is just fine. This is a normal one-on-one -on -one combat. And then someone attacks him. And yeah, he does take damage, but then he just like, and free attack. And it's like, oh, that that's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah, and then they probably would have figured it out after that and been like, yeah. oh, fuck. <laughs> and, like, once they did it the first time, I would have been like, by the way, he gets this anytime that he gets attacked by someone who is not his target. <coughs> and but it would be one of those things of, you don't know this right away, but you made the decision. Yeah. Like, now it's kind of yeah, obvious. Yeah, now, now it's obvious because you notice that he did all of his big combo stuff, but... You noticed because obviously in Exalted, whenever that someone uses a charm or a gift or whatever, their anima banner starts flaring up, so you can tell that essence or effort is being yeah, expended. And, 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 and in this case, with Lioness and Storm mm -hmm. being martial artists, they would probably recognize that yeah. pretty quickly. Because yep. I know you've given it before with the two of us, where it's like if somebody took a particular martial arts stance because we were trained in it, you're like, mm -hmm. you recognize it as this form. It's like, fuck that. Like I think you let me do that with Charcoal Montra Sp uh, Spiders once. Um, yep. And I was like. Some of it's printed. You're the devil. <laughs> yep. Um, so anyway, so when the group goes in there and starts exploring, you know, the hole that a giant essence cannon made made out of it, you guys would have, you know, fought some Nefrax and then found uh, inside of the rotting flesh of this thing, uh, something had tried to attack it weeks prior oh, because no. something down in the south tries to protect the south by following the dragon lines. 
And you guys would have found the five metal shrike. Should we not have found them? Could we pretend that the, that's not a thing? Five metal shrike is great. Because if I remember correctly, they're awful. No, the five metal shrike's a unique uh, airship. Yeah, the Five Metal Shrike is a unique airship made out of all all the all five magical materials. That's essentially like except for adamantine. Except right? yeah, except well, that's the sixth magical material. Yeah. Um, but it's basically made out of all five magical materials. It is only pilotable by solars, but it does have an autopilot function, and it basically roams the south looking for shit, for, looking for stuff to fuck up, and it has. Some of the... It has a miniature sort of creation inside of it. Yeah, no, I don't want to fuck with that. You guys weren't going to fuck with it. You guys were going to get it and pilot it. Okay. Yeah, that that's the whole point of this. Is, okay. uh, <laughs> is Nix and whoever else went down there had to face off against some Nefrax and then would find the five metal strike, get inside of it, and then, like, start using all the weapon functions to blow up Sunbane from the inside. Oh, jeez. And then it would have been like, we're going to blow it up from the inside. Exit the sunbane. Yep, and then you guys would have had a five metal strike on your side. Jeez. Um. So, with you guys now doing that, I'll also uh, most likely uh, Gre grief and void would have been killed in this fight, assuming that you guys succeeded. Yeah. Like there is no, they try to leave. They are playing for keeps. They either die or not. We had already had a discussion, I think, as a group that those two are. Irredeemable. Oh, yeah. They are they're, not. They're totes irredeemable. They are and bad influences. They, they are bad influences. They are irredeemable. They are not the kind of thing that is going to like keep like they needed to be killed. Yeah, there is no way. There is not even a chance of redemption. Mercy might have been redeemed, but I don't know that the group would have wanted to deal with it because you would have been dealing with having to do the void grief and uh, mercy fight with the healer still staying up. Yeah, which is. Like, talk about picking fucking hard mode right there. Yeah. And if it had been one of those, it's like, no, God King, like, she's healing people. We have to kill her. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. like, it just it was that internal struggle, struggle for Mori's character. Yep. Which, you know, you guys might have ended up doing. You guys are, you know, you guys do tend to take the hard way sometimes. <laughs> well, take the hard road for the betterment. Um, but assuming that you, you, I assume that you guys probably were going to try and uh, redeem God King's uh, daughter. So, like, I'm just going to kind of assume that she's now in the temporary allies pool. Yeah, if, if, if we didn't have to murder her, we would have tried to redeem her or help with redemption. Mm -hmm. So, next up on the thing is, because you guys would not have dealt with whatever that Prelude to Domination was doing. Yeah. And you guys now have... Um, the five metal strike and the god king's uh resplendent barge on your side yep you guys were now having go the next session was going to be you guys having to deal with whatever that prelude to domination did okay. which was he released three thousand forged dragons didn't didn't we discuss how like i don't remember arc sheet but wasn't she supposed to help him do something with that she was helping him build them yeah yeah she was helping them she was helping him repair them because he's just like, help me with this thing. And Grief's like, yeah, help my friend with this thing. Yeah. And she's like, I got nothing better to do. Yeah. Uh, so Thousand Forged Dragons are things, are uh, weapons from the first stage that were basically inspired by the elemental dragons. And they're meant to patrol the dragon lines at the edge of the wild to stop fey incursions. And not like just 
Oh, uh, here comes a wildfoot. Here comes a raksha. Here comes a fucking fairy. Oh no! Like no. Here comes like the deep fey wild, like terrible Cthulhu beings. Like one of these is meant to repel them. Yeah. And three thousand. <laughs> and prelude to domination has set all three of these thousand forged dragons. Because a thousand forged. I should specify a thousand forged dragon is only one thing. Uh, it's right. not you're it's right. not three thousand dragons. I, it's, my, my brain, I'm still tired. <laughs> it's it's one thing, but there are three of them now, and basically he set them up on the dragon lines in such a way that they're basically just going to go north and from the position that he's at, that means it's gonna hit Kirigas and then Sunshade and then Gethamane and anything in between. Yeah, which is a lot. Yeah, which is a whole fucking lot. Um, I think that would have also included Great Forks, too. I think so? Yeah, if, if my memory of where you guys were is right, then that would have included Great Forks, too. So. Yeah, no, those things are terrifying because basically they haven't... You can't depower them. So basically the rest of the campaign was a lot of boss battles and, the rest so, of the campaign, and social situations. Oh, yeah, a lot of this was a lot of boss battles and social situations. But basically, because you guys had the five metal shrike now... It should have been easier. It would have been a lot easier. Um, specifically, I have it written down. Um, if the group has five metal strike at this point, this battle becomes possible. It's essentially an airship battle versus a city destroying flyer. Without it, they'll need. Without the five metal strike, they'll need to find a way onto the dragon. Uh, like with the Sunbane fight, this isn't a fight of reducing its HP to zero, but about destroying the core systems within the thing that runs it. The longer it takes, the more in its path will be destroyed. These things move incredibly fast, so it is feasible that it could make it to Kirigast and eventually Sunshade within the course of the battle. Other options for getting on in the Vengeance are God King's Barge and Ku's Vengeance. But basically, trying to attack these with... It, it kind of turns into another one of those, like, you can't really use the big weapons against this because they have force fields against the big weapons, so you have to be it's, tiny. It's, it's, and, it's an infiltration thing. Yeah, it's another one of those infiltration things. Like, you could use a big thing as, like, a distraction, but mm -hmm. it's very much a get in, infiltrate, destroy, get out. So, I now have another question for you about where the, we're going to go with this. Okay. Like I said, I will try to remember our path or what would make the most logical sense for us to do or have done, I guess. So... At the behest of, I believe, either you or Sonny, someone sent Sergei down to investigate a certain little girl. Uh, I would not probably have I think that, that Sergei, or, I'm sorry, Sonny asked Sergei to do that. I don't think I did, Astor. I want to say I didn't, so it was probably Sunny. So, you guys would have gotten the... Basically, at the beginning of the fight, you guys would have gotten a communication from... Or, at the beginning of the third session, I should say, in this case, you guys would have gotten the communication from Sergey that um, he's found the gymnasium, as we call it. Because Storm didn't know about the gymnasium. Right. Like, she would have known uh, about it eventually because mm -hmm. Sunny would have told us, but... So it probably was Sonny who sent him Yeah, I think it was Sonny that, that sent him down there. Um, <clears throat> so he sent them him down there, and he would have gotten... You guys would have gotten the communication about finding this thing. You guys also now have the option to go to Ontang and help take down 
everything that's happened at On Tang, which is basically the uh, the first and Forsaken Lions like base of operations on creation. Which would you have chosen? Now, here's here's the, the bias dilemma I have. Mm-hmm. Um, if Sergei's like, I found this gymnasium, it's, and Storm was like, what the fuck is this gymnasium? I don't know anything about it. And Sunny told her what it was. She would be like, oh, fuck no, we're going down there to help him. So I don't know what the rest of the group would have done. Okay, so would you have gone down there to help him and, like, split the group? I mean, or... I know Storm would have gone for Sergei. Okay. But, rest, but I, I couldn't tell you what the rest of the group would have done. Hmm. Okay. But I also um... feel like the group knows that Storm can mostly take care of herself, but I don't think everybody would have let me go by myself. I don't think everybody would have let you go by yourself. So I probably um... would have taken Sunny at least with me because he can teleport. Probably. Okay, so then so we... At minimum, this, if it was split, the split probably would have been at least Storm and Sunny mm-hmm. going to help Sergei, and then the rest of them going towards Ontang, and we would meet up with them later. I don't know. I'm only speculating. I think that you guys probably would have gone after Sergei. I think that the whole group would have, just out of how that you guys tend to react to him possibly being in danger, the whole group tends to rally and go, nope, we gotta go and save him. That's my tyrant lizard, boo. <laughs> We're going to just put a put a little marker in Ong Tang for a little bit, because that's going to come up never, actually. <laughs> because going to the gymnasium starts the final combat. So, <clears throat> oh yes, by, I remember us having conversations about this. Yep. So within Architects Gymnasium, the group will be greeted by a sight whenever they make it there. Uh, what appears to be a dead little girl and a bloodied and half dead Sergey coming out of his war form and breathing heavily as blood streams from what looks like mortal wounds. Basically, no matter what you guys did, you guys were not fast enough to get there. Um. Standing over both of them is Black Ice Shadow, uh, holding a mask in his hand uh, and about to don it. Uh, not a mask, mask, not a uh, abyssal mask, but yeah. one of the sidereal like I'm gonna dis- I'm gonna disappear the fuck out of here yeah. mask. Um, and then when he sees you guys, he would actually respond with, "Oh, good. I was worried I was going to have to find a way to mail the big one's head. You've saved me the trouble after he came in and tried to kill my baby. Now you face Black Eyed Shadow." Who is his baby? Architect. Oh, what? Not not his actual kid, but I know, but, but she's his pet project. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that part out of character. Um, let's see. This fight will involve the scenario of endings using every trick in his vast repertoire to evade and try to dismantle the group at once. Um, let's open up my document on Black Eye Shadow. Black Eye Shadow has an attack bonus of 10. All of his saves are 6. He has 30 effort and his AC is naturally a negative 1. Um... His attacks, he, like I said before, he gets three ac- he gets three actions around. One is always held for defense until it gets rough. So he's always he's always holding an action to be able to use a defensive gift, or to be able to defend himself in some way. Gotcha. His attacks are always three d eight straight or one d twenty eight AOE. Ooh. <laughs> and his martial art. 
Can you guess? It's charcoal march of spiders. Yeah. Uh, the only difference between his charcoal march of spiders and um, Chejop Kajak's charcoal march of spiders is he cannot undo people from reality. Which is nice. Which is funny because you know he's ending, so it makes sense that he probably would have that. That uh, that one that one specific fucking ability is not. It's something that should only be used by the the pre preeminent scenario uh, of endings. Like, like the best scenario, like, this is the only scenario event, like, the, the Maiden of Endings will only ever teach this part of that technique to one scenario of endings. But Kijoshi Kak was not an endings scenario, but he had it. Secrets, though. Yeah, that's fair. I can agree with that. Um, on top of that, he also had a crap ton of luck. A crap ton of stuff in the lock ward, which is incredibly fun it's to just go. Fucking broken. Oh, you, know? you rolled a twenty? No, actually, I'm gonna take that twenty. Here, you can have a. That's a five. Yeah. Um. He used to make Jake use that all the time. Let's see. Or, like, he also had a bunch stuff. of stuff that made gave him an invincible defense against fear and emotional affecting effects. Um. Yeah. He could. Uh, foretell the future, mm -hmm. and you guys had to make spirit saves to risk uh, basically doing that action. Gotcha. He could turn back time and replay it. Fucking scenario, so yeah. And on top of that, just to make sure that uh, somebody, somebody who will not, who will remain uh, unsaid, Sunny, he had purity of brilliant law. Oh, uh, okay. Because purity of brilliant law is one of the best gifts in the game because you can just dispel everything. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no. Like, if you guys had split up the group to one to go to Ang Tang and the other one to go here, this would have been a rough fucking fight for you. Yeah. Like, a really, really rough fight. Yep. We're gonna get back down to the gymnasium. Let's see. Once the fight concludes, Sergei and Architect will rise near death, but not dead yet. Uh, basically, Architect using uh, her death word to keep the both of them alive. Yep. Uh... She knows in her heart that her only two friends are actually dead, and she will approach the group and speak plainly. My friends are dead, and all I have left, you've ruined. Because the group has basically, like... Because Sergei basically ruined the fucking gymnasium yeah. coming in. Um, I don't want any of... She, as she stares around at the ruined gymnasium, I don't want any of this anymore, but I have, but I have a last wish. She uses her sorcery to open a gate to, to the Thousand, which is the first and Forsaken Lion's yeah. uh, uh, Death Lord Mance in yep. the South. Kill the Lion. I don't care what happens to me anymore. Uh, she lays down and waits for the group to decide what's to be done with her. Yeah, and that was something we had discussed because I was like, I, because of everything, I feel like art could be redeemable. She just had a lot of bad influence from Void and Grief because mm -hmm. those are the two that cared the most about her. But at heart, like she didn't want this. She, at the same time, that at the same time, it's like, yeah, you didn't want this, and yeah, you're, uh, <clears throat> you're like a, a a small child who's been forced to do evil things and, and like a bunch of other has stuff the madness word and literally has 15 years of being stuck like that and ha and yeah and has the madness word but at the same time like does that excuse that you've done terrible things does it excuse mercy or cavalier from having done terrible things no none of yeah. it does 
But, like, that's kind of the one thing that I wanted to get through to kind of, like, have the group kind of wrestle with. I don't doubt that you guys would have, that Sonny would have tried to redeem Architect because of how that he, like, interacts with her. I doubt that the rest of the group would have. Nyx might have. For Storm, it would have been one of those, like, did you attack Sergei? Like, yeah, yeah, she did. The entire gymnasium attacked him. Yeah, like, did she attack him, though? Yeah. Open the hard cell. The, the gymnasium is basically, at that point, an extension of her. Yeah, so that would have been Storm's big thing. Is like, did you... And I know the lioness wouldn't have gone with it. Like, yeah. there's no way. Um, Raldo probably wouldn't have given a fuck. Like, I think it would have come down to, like, Tony probably would have had to take, like... Tony and Britt would have had to actually make, like, a stand against the group to be, like... No, we're saving her. And, like, Tony would have had to, like, fucking teleported her away or something. Which I can see him doing. <clears throat> like, he he didn't make stands for a lot of things, but he did, like, when he actually cared when, about When it. he actually cared about something, and he did stand for I, it. I don't remember if we dropped this information or not before, but the reason he had such a problem with Architect, like, being around her, was because he had a sister who was her age that died of plague. Mm-hmm. And he saw it as his fault, so he was super uncomfortable around architect and mm-hmm. like the way she was and everything because he lost his sister a very similar way okay so i now have a question for you again mm-hmm. you would you now in character technically have the uh all five sidereal skulls yeah which yeah. death lord do you ask the weakness of because i have them both written up oh, here oh that see that would have been a good discussion that would have been a harder discussion but I feel like at this point we have so many. At that point we had so many people looking out to try and find the maidens we can like weaknesses and stuff. And we had just learned from uh, Wayward that if we could get his body, we could get the other half of how to like fuck her up. Uh huh. So I feel like with everything we had done to try and find out stuff about the maiden, it probably would have been trying. It would have like cashed in those skulls and been like. Virtual bam, five skulls giving half weakness. Okay. So, uh, in his current form, the lion is invulnerable and immortal. Uh, nothing a mortal or exalt can do, uh, nothing a mortal, exalt, or god can do will harm him. Nailed into his current armor like an Iron Maiden, he is unbeatable, more a force of nature than a real being. There is one thing which can remove him from his armor, and she is Princess Magnificent with lips of coral and robes of black feathers. Yep. It is said that for her to willingly touch the first and forsaken lion would undo all of his armor, granting him the full use of his terrifying panoply, but also allowing him to die a final death. So, I'm nodding my head. Sorry, it doesn't. You guys well now have, um, <laughs> you guys now have the um, way to the thousand open to you. Yep. You guys would go through, which in going through the thousand, there are two manses there. There is the thousand, and there is Dari. Um, Dari. Don't. Dari, Dari is actually the seat of uh, Princess Magnificent with lips of coral and robes of black feathers. We just call her Princess Magnificent for the sake of uh, not having to say her full title. Um, or Princess. Let's see. So, Dari is a small mansion in the shadow of a thousand. It calls to Lioness, and hopefully she leads the group there. 
Um, if not, if you guys tried to go to uh, into the thousand to just go after uh, to just go after the line, which would make well, no sense yeah, because no, we, literally we know that we have to have her, so why would we go there? Right. That would be one of those. We're just gonna do this. That stupidly. that that was more of one of those. Well, did she pick the maiden? Well, then you guys are doing it stupid, like. But like I said, we had so many outlets to try and find out about the Maiden, and we didn't really know enough about Baffle. Mm -hmm. So it made sense to, to pick Pat Baffle at that point. All right, so Dari, a small mansion in the shadow of the Thousand. Uh, it, like I said before, it's going to call to Lioness. So then they, even if that you guys had um, kind of skipped the ability to figure out how to uh, defeat the first and Forsaken Lion... Mm -hmm. It would have kind of plot pulled you there. A little bit, yeah. Um, basically, if you guys tried to go through the thousand, uh, Lioness would not be able to until she goes through uh, Dari. Uh, in going into Dari, uh, basically, as soon as you guys step through the door, the group becomes separated. What? Yeah. The group becomes separated as you guys are having to deal with an illusory maze by the uh by the only death knight of princess magnificent who is son of crows who is son is in like son in the sky or son is in like her her son okay yeah uh and basically uh all of the information i found on this guy uh either online or through other stuff is that one obviously she's not supposed to have death knights so she basically, like, stole one of the First and Forsaken Lion's uh, exaltations. Oh, jeez. Used it on this guy and has been trying to teach him, but has been very fucking bad at it to the point that this guy is basically insane. Oh, no. So he has so a madness word. He has madness word, and uh, to such an extent that, like, I was like, yeah, no, they, they don't, uh, they do not realize, like, it's going to become very obvious in a second that uh, they're stepping forward into, like, something weird. But, it's like being back in the fungin again. Yeah, it's very much like that. Um, so I have little scenes for everybody once they go in. Because I've looked through the madness work for Architect, and uh, yeah, there's some fun shit in there. So one of the ways that I had it is basically that you guys, uh, whenever that I come to you guys to describe it, you get this feeling like you're waking up from a very, very long nap. Okay. Like a very long nap with like a vivid dream in it. So I had, um, basically, so for Lioness, I had it that she stays in the underworld. Uh, she stays, staying basically as the light in the labyrinth, becoming the judge of abyssals to come and helping them find their true light, while also speaking with the free abyss, with Ronin abyssals who have exalted not because of uh, destiny cut short, but because they are truly champions of the dead and the underworld. Uh, she is flanked by her friends Cavalier and Plague, who have since become Solar and are more respected, and a more respected Death Priest, respectively. So this is more of a this is your this is a good thing for you. the the idea is is that like you guys go in there and then I describe it to you guys almost like it's your epilogue. Yeah. Um, for God King, God King wakes up seated on the throne of the Scarlet Empress. His children mill about him with offerings from many of his satrapies. Uh, he is given good news that they are on their way to converting everyone else to their religion. The 700th Divine Treasury has just finished completion, and a new gaggle of suitors is on their way for him to expect and take his pick. <laughs> All right. 
Nyx is in Sijan. Her and Desert Lullaby are overseeing a funeral for a king uh, while she prepares the body. Uh, Desert Lullaby is making a dirge about the king's life. As they mill about, her family and extended ancestors come in and ask how wedding planning is going and when they're expecting their first litter of children. The ghost of Layla's <laughs> are particularly insistent. Uh, Sun Bear uh, leads a group of Lukshayan, Dragonblood, Sidereals, and Lunars on a campaign to utterly defeat the realm and spread the good word of the Unconquered Sun. Looking over reports of his previous conquests, he'll see that casualties are always kept to a minimum and the conversion rate for the Sun Blessed is at an all-time high. Okay. And finally for Storm, because at this point we weren't sure, when I was writing this all up, I probably should have mentioned that Jake was thinking about switching characters because he was getting very bored with Raldo. Yeah. So I did not have anything actually written up for Raldo. Uh, Storm is brought back to Sunshade. There she sits with Sergei, a small gaggle of adopted children, reporting the state of the realm that she rules over like a protective mother. Uh, reports come in telling about the prosperous state of, state of her realm and how they're on their way to exterminating the last primordial forever. Basically, I wanted to flash forward and then be like, do you guys believe in this or not? Because like, and there was a part of me that was like, if I want to just end the game here, I can. And then just be like, wait, what? Storm wouldn't have believed it because she didn't want to rule the realm. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> um, what, basically, I was going to give you guys like some a bunch more time to like RP in it. Yeah. Uh, kind of be like, yeah, no. So like you, you feel like that that dream that you just had of the entire campaign is quickly fading. You don't remember what, what's going on. This is the state of your affairs now. RP in this. And I was going to have like 15 minutes for everyone to just kind of do stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I, Storm wouldn't believe that. <laughs> that was kind of my, um, that was kind of my, like, hey, I want to figure out, I'm going to just put up this epilogue of what that I think that the group, what I think that these characters would want or will get despite what that they want. Because I know what that Storm wanted in yeah. the end. She wanted to just disappear the fuck off. She wanted to live in Sunshade, have uh, an orphanage and, like, slash dojo, and have Sergei, like, bureaucrat the town mm -hmm. like bureaucracy the town because that's what he enjoyed doing so i just kind of gave everyone kind of something that i was like this seems like a good ending let's see what that they change so that i can get the correct ending for them yeah it was a and considering that like this was this would be at least like another five like probably like five sessions before the actual end of the game is when this would happen so like it's a good like testing the waters for what the people would want yeah so like if people had like good reactions to it like i imagine that god kings would have had a really good reaction from maury i would have been like okay cool that's gonna be his ending when it comes up but i just wanted to like test the waters to see what everyone wanted yeah i mean i like i said i'm collecting endings of what people kind of wanted so i have uh i have stuff for us to talk about next episode for what they really wanted mm -hmm. so so once the group comes out of the illusory world, uh, Son of Crows will lead them towards Princess. Um, there, uh, Princess would actually uh, talk, call Lioness by her mortal name, which was Tavor Tavora, um, and would basically, like, 
it would become much more obvious that uh, these two actually have a thing for each other. Yeah. Um, they're, like, madly in love with each other, and, like, they can't really do anything about it. Um, and then, basically, it was up to the group to convince uh, prin uh, Princess what needed to be done at, at the Thousand. Does she have the deception word? Uh, does she? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. definitely. I want to make sure. Um, so... Going into the Thousand, because at this point the group would not have dealt with Omtang. Yep. The group would have been faced with two boss fights! Joy! In a row! Yay! Basically, ascending the steps of the Thousand towards the First and Forsaken Lion, you all would have to fight Meticulous Owl, Cavalier, Vision, and Plague. Yep. I, I know a little bit about Meticulous Owl because of Joe's campaign, and I did a little research into him. That would have been interesting. Mm -hmm. That would have been very interesting. Um, it's a mobile fight that heads up the steps of the thousand towards the lion. Once there, the group will have to get Princess to touch the lion, or else all will be for naught and he'll be unbeatable. Yep. Basically by, and I have nothing in here for the lion's character sheet because I didn't, I was like, when we finally decided to end it, I, I was like in the middle of working on it. Gotcha. But, uh, basically by getting Princess up there to take the, uh, to take the, uh, the, the fucking armor off the lion. Mm -hmm. Um, when the armor comes off and he comes out as, like, his full, like, like, grandiose stature of, like, death lordiness, mm -hmm. um, he basically one-shots Princess and then starts the fight. How dare. Um, in doing so, basically, you guys have to fight a fucking death lord, which now your gifts will actually work on him. He was going to have some truly ridiculous stats. On top of that, you guys would have been weakened from having to fight... Cavalier, Plague, <laughs> Meticulous Owl, and everything. Uh, this was going to be a multiple phase fight that was going to include uh, him at one point retreating to uh, get the Ebenzoanon to fight you all with. Fuck that! Yeah. I was not... This was going to be a party wipe, or a party wiper if you guys were not actually ready. Fuck fighting Ebenzoanon. No. Nah, Um, so with the lion defeated, lion, once it was done, with the lion defeated, lioness's weapon will fully turn Orichalcum because it's been, and we haven't really been talking about it, but the... It's been slowly changing. It's been slowly changing from a soul steel weapon to a mix of soul steel and Orichalcum to full Orichalcum. Once it, her, basically her, uh, her story arc is complete. Um, and then she will have to, uh, and then in a final... Uh, sacrifice to end the reign of the Thousand and the Death Lords in the South, she will have to use that Orichalcum weapon on Princess Magnificent to, like, end their reign. Because yep. this is literally, like, from what Julia wanted to do, she wanted it to be, like, this bittersweet, like, moment of, like, talking to her and getting through stuff and then just being like, it's got to end. We've got to return your soul back to the wheel of reincarnation. And like, yeah. just. Yeah. It's like, I love you. I'm sorry I have to do this, but you know I have to do this. You know this is right. Um, so if you guys, instead of going after Sunbane, had gone after Ong Tang, 
The group would encounter Meticulous Al for the first time, defending the outskirts of Antang. He knows that the group will soon be on their way. He is using a Royal Necrotech Warstrider. While this in itself isn't too terrible, the real problem they'll have to deal with are Hordes of Undead and Nephrax, as well as Cavalier, Vision, and Plague of Trust. If the group plays it right, they can convince Cavalier and Plague to betray the Lion here, especially after Meticulous Al is defeated. With the Lion's true servant dead, they are more open to negotiations. While they will end up needing to purify Ong Tang, it is something that can be left in the hands of others. Basically, like, Ong Tang becomes a side note if you guys do it the way that you had, that we had basically discussed on the episode. If not, you guys end up getting more allies for the fight with the lion. Um, but at the same time, like, Sunbane's on, on the loose, or those Thousand Forged Dragons are going. So, like, there, there's no real winning. Sergey would have been dead. <laughs> Quite possibly, yes. Actually, Sergei would have been dead if... Because basically you guys had the choice of, like, two two of those three things you can do. And then the word comes in from Sergei at the gymnasium. And then you can do the third one, but that gives you a bad ending. Yeah. That would have been instant. Storm would have felt that disconnect and probably would have I would have been surprised if you had not had the break at that point. Oh, most definitely. Um, so, yeah... That was the end of the South and the end of the Legion Sanguinary. Yep. Uh, we learned how to kill a Death Lord. I guess that after that, you guys would have probably gone on to talk with the God of Exaltations to get um, Wayward to get Wayward Spark well, back. I know we we had sent Star to go and try and call some favors to see if we could at least get a meeting with him or see what he could do to help us with that. So. I'm going to end this on something cool. I'm going to end this on how to defeat the Maiden. Nah, let's do that for next episode. But this is... Okay. Because, like... There's, like, nothing really, really... Well, I mean, I'm not saying there's not anything good to look forward to in the next episode, but it'd be awesome to have as, like, our the, final the, episode. Yeah. episode 30 for this whole campaign. is like... Also, remember, we said we were going to drink for that. Oh, yeah. We got to yeah. drink for that. All right, well, we'll drink for that. We'll tell the ending that everybody wanted to have for their character, because I already got Tony's for Sunny and then I'll bug everybody else. Um, we'll tell you how to defeat the Maiden. Uh, well, Brenda and I will sit and talk about, I guess, our overall thoughts of the campaign and stuff yep. like that. Because the, the, coming up, it's going to be way less uh, scripted, uh, way less I'm, I'm reading all this this stuff of what was to be, and more like, Okay, well, what do you do? Okay, cool. Now, now this, like, kind of us, almost like a small mini session of, like, how to run the last end of the I campaign. Because I imagine you had, here's how to beat the Maiden. Like, here's the, the progress you'd have to go through to find out how to beat the Maiden. Here's dealing with her abyssal circle and everything like that. And then it's like, cool, the, now the Maiden's defeated and hopefully all of you survive. Here's the endings that each of you wanted. Yep, and then once we go through that, that should take like 30 or 40 minutes, and then we can go through like how we felt about the game as a whole and everything. Yeah. Okay. Which, I mean, we've kind of discussed throughout the thing, but it's kind of that overall, like, now that you know everything, uh, here's thoughts, feelings, and whatnot, so. Yep. And maybe we'll have some questions. Who, who knows? Who knows? Maybe. But if we had questions, Christina, where the fuck would they send them? I don't know, but where would we send them? 
You're not, you're not working with me here again. They, they would send them to a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. So then we can read your questions and your comments, your concerns, yeah, your you insanity. You have a louder projected voice than I do when it comes to... Actually, you have a louder projected voice. You just don't do the projection. I don't like doing it, though. So, yeah, you could send them there and we could start answering them. Uh, we have one more episode of Exalted to get through and then we are going to be into, I guess, season two of Let the Good Dice Roll. We'll be talking about probably just tabletop systems, um... Things like that, so. Yep, games as they... Uh, we should be running Pugmire this Sunday. That is the plan, I believe, and hopefully we'll be able to record it. Uh, after the... Uh, if Brit's using her laptop, that actually worked out really well for her, for sound quality, so... Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we can record it so we can play it for you guys. If not, Bern and I will sit and take a little bit of time to kind of talk about what uh, we all did in Pugmire. Yep, and then besides that, I think that Julia was talking about maybe running some kind of hunter thing, because I think that I mentioned on the last Mage episode, we are starting to rapidly run out of recorded content, and with the quarantine not looking like it's lifting in the next two or three weeks at the very minimum, like... Yeah, well, I mean, Virginia's at least mid-June. Yeah, uh, we might actually run out of Iron Kingdom stuff soon, too. We'll see. We might just have to go down to only posting one recording per week until all this stuff is uh, well, only a one, state. Only one recording per week would be this. Okay. This and potentially something else. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And potentially just saving D&D &D for when we really need to tap into it. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to put <clears> off <throat> doing D&D &D as long as possible so we can get more of it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we're at the, like originally we were, before this all started to hit, we were planning on posting D&D &D up on Sunday, but now, like, it almost feels like it would be better to wait until we run out of everything else and we, so we have, like, a little bit of a backlog to get through so that we can start, like... Regardless, that is <clears throat> our problem. We'll figure it out. Um, you guys, please send in questions if you would like to. We'd love to hear from you, even if it's not questions, if it's just like, hey, tell us how you feel about this or whatever. Um, I want you guys all to be safe. Be responsible, all that fun stuff. All right, so for Paradise Lost Podcasting Channel, I've been Brendan. I've been Christina. And next episode, we're going to tell you how to kill the maiden beneath the waves.